kind of it isn't the pleasant snow out there it, it's crunchy chunky stuff that uh, it doesn't blow very good it doesn't shovel very good because it's kind of icy snow stuff kind of messy it has me running just a little bit late this morning by a couple minutes and uh, I'm aware of that fact so my apologies to all of you part of it is I couldn't get in the door at the church I had to get it uh, the front door had been shoveled, um, but I parked in the back, and it was kind of iced up to the door. And anyway, we all have our problems, don't we? And uh, I'm back in the office this morning because we have a very busy day of things going on here, uh, beginning right after the broadcast. And Really, I, I have about a 45-minute buffer maybe to Try to get that door dug out and get some heat on in the sanctuary. 
and uh, the school that uh, adjoins our property is having their Christmas musical here today, and uh, so it's going to be a busy place with kids coming and going this morning, and then a few hundred adults here this afternoon. Just trying to get ready for that. Plus, uh, I've got to teach up in Bangor uh, beginning at noon, so just trying to get everything established. How's your morning? I haven't even grabbed a cup of Java yet. Haven't even made one yet. I could really go for a cup of coffee. Uh, If we're not careful, I might have to pause mid-broadcast to go out and uh, get myself a cup of coffee here this morning. So... Looking at some of the comments here, uh, no ice here, some rain, uh, maybe 50 degrees. I'll take it. I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. That would be wonderful to uh, uh, have 50 degrees. I I would take it. Uh, (laughs) Rand Riley saying about the coffee, that's not right. Get coffee. Yes, I agree with you, Fran. I do. I do. I do. So. I, I may go over and uh, snag a cup of coffee here in just a moment. But before I do, I want to pray with you. Lord, we just come before you in prayer this morning, thanking you for another day, thanking you for breath and life and health. And uh, Lord, even if we don't have health, we thank you because you're sovereign uh, over our lives. We acknowledge that fact. We give ourselves to you and, and ask that you would help us today to, regardless of our circumstance, to give you thanks. So we look to you this morning. Be our guide through your word. You promised to do so. So we look to you uh, to guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Very familiar parable. Excuse me just a second. Very familiar parable this morning, uh, Luke chapter 15, picking up verse 11, Jesus continued. Of course, he's been telling parables. Uh, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in a wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. Coche, that's what that is called in Spanish, one of the terms. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have spare food, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's going to stop there. I'm not going to go any further. We will We will pick up, we will resume uh the dialogue here of just what's happening in in just a little bit. But think about the situation of the son. In Bible study, you look at the characters. Who are the characters? There's the father. There are two sons. Uh, Then there was uh, a citizen of the country. We know that much. Uh, Verse 13, we know, well, 
even before that, we know what the man is asking the father. Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So this this man, the younger man, wanted to get out of the circumstance. So the father said, okay, I will give you your share of the estate. He divided his property between them, and not long after that, it says the younger son got together. All he had set off for a different country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. So just think about what wild living might, uh, what connotation there might be in wild living. Think about that for a moment. Put your comments in, if you would, please, what wild living might look like. I am going to get that cup of coffee while you give a little bit of response there in the comments. I'll keep talking, but uh, uh, you will you will hear of the uh, of the curry as we go here. So, um, well, you're looking at what I'm looking at now. There we go. So, okay, one person's already responding. I'll be right back. I'm going to get that cup of coffee. Priscilla has said, wine, women, and song. Maybe you can come up with three W's there, wine, women, and wickedness. Now, in our day, I mean, it, it might be that uh, when you consider our circumstances and our culture, why does it have to be women? Why could it not have been men? Could have been. Um, likely not, but just think of our culture. Uh, but wine, not just wine. Uh, here we go. Let, let's let's switch this over to bees. Bourbon boys and badness. I mean that that could be another take on this. Uh, but he squandered the wealth. How did he squander it? And it says in wild living. The text tells us he he squandered his wealth uh, in wild living. So just just what does that mean? Let's cut back over and think about wild living. I mean, it could be that he went to the finest restaurants here in verse 13. Uh, it could be that, uh, uh, you know, he stayed in the nicest hotels. They had hotels in that day. Uh, but it could be that, yes, it could be hiring prostitutes, or it could just be flashing his money. It might not have been prostitutes, but just flashing his money in front of women trying to impress them with his wealth. Of course, when people find out that you have wealth like he had, like this guy here in Maine that just won the one point, was it $1.35 billion uh, lottery? People find out that your phone's going to ring. Let me tell you, your phone is going to ring. People are going to want to be your friend. People are going to, you know, all kinds of things that people are going to want to do. So, um, to get to your money. So not long after that, 
The younger son got together all he had, set off for a different country, squandered his wealth and wild living. I'm interested to see what Eugene Peterson, how he might render this. So let's take a look at uh, the the parable of the prodigal son in the message. Yeah, verse 13, it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags, left for a distant country there, undisciplined and dissipated. He wasted everything he had. I actually think that kind of loses some, don't you? I I think uh, he spent all he had on wild living back in the NIV translation. It gets a little closer. Let's uh, look at the New Living Translation and see what it has to say. A few days later, this this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and he wasted all his money in wild living, saying kind of the same thing as the NIV. That's the New Living Translation, but the wild living. And um, just to, to think about, I mean, he had enough wealth. He probably would have been set for life, maybe. Uh, maybe the estate was that significant that he could have been set for life. And yet, where does he end up? He has all this wealth. He goes out and enjoys it. We don't know how long he's gone. I I don't think the text tells us how long he has gone. But he's gone long enough that he spends all of that wealth. He has gone long enough that he um, has wasted all that wealth. And he's come to a place of desperation. And not only did his money run out, something else happened in verse 14 at the same time says about the same time, about that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Had he had money, perhaps he could have bought his way out of the famine and out of the suffering, Uh, but he ran out of money. And at the same time, when, when famine happens, what happens? At least in a capitalistic society, prices go up. You ever tried to buy uh, recently a uh, 18 eggs, a dozen and a half eggs, at least here locally in our local grocery store in Belfast. I think the last price I noted for 18 eggs was $8.67. A dozen eggs, $5.67 or something like that. Um, prices have gone up for sure. Used to be able to go to Sam's Club and buy big boxes of eggs for 20 bucks. They're almost $35. So, you know, when when things happen to the birds, when things happen to the wheat, uh, when things happen that bring aspects of famine, I, I asked Hannaford's here not too long ago, I said, I can't seem to find any cauliflower. Well, we don't have any. And I said, well, what's up with the cauliflower? Is shipping issues? He went, no, the price has jumped up to $9 a head and we just can't sell it. So we're not getting it. Makes sense to me. I don't mind paying three or four dollars for a a nice head of cauliflower, but nine dollars or more? I don't think so. He ran out of wealth. Famine hit the land. Verse fourteen. Notice it says in verse fifteen, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. But then it says in verse sixteen, the man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him because no one gave him anything. So. So he was hired by this farmer, but this farmer wasn't feeding him. This farmer wasn't giving him uh, anything to eat. Uh, The farmer was just making sure the pigs got taken care of. And and so this man, and what do we call it? 
pig slop. He he the, the man would have rather had the pig slop. His his tummy was empty and and he would prefer to have had the pig slop. It says even the pods he was feeding the pigs. Well, it was a, pods I know lots of people that feed their pigs slop. So maybe it was slop feeding the pigs. Don't know. But what I what I do know is Whatever the pigs were eating was more than what the man was getting. In verse 17, it says this. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Think of his circumstance. Now, the other thing we could think about is, what would be our response to the young man? Well, you made your bed lie in it. That would be what some of us may want to say. Um, but what what would be your response to the young man? Would, it, would you lean that direction? You made your bed. You've got to lie in it now, son. Or would it be compassion? How would you respond? I'm going to step back away from this computer for just a moment. I am going to grab that cup of coffee and... Uh, Yeah, so here's here's some comment before I go over to the uh, before I go get that cup of coffee. Wild living, wasting hard earned money, his father's and family's hard earned money. Uh, and Priscilla talking about was it eggs? Probably nine dollars and seventeen cents. There. There's a broad uh, spectrum between you earned your bed. You're gonna. I mean, you you made your bed. You're gonna lie in it. To, you know what? He made some mistakes along the way, extremely harsh or extremely compassionate, and perhaps either direction might be too far the direction to go. We're going to look at what the father does in response to this man here in just a moment. Let me grab that cup of coffee. Get your cup of coffee. Let's have coffee together. The sound of my wet feet walking across the floor. I've got this cup of coffee here now. WHCF Radio in Bangor, Maine. You can see I've slopped coffee down there. 88.5 FM if you want to listen to some good <clears throat> uh, if you want to listen to some good Bible teaching. I mean good Bible teaching. Uh, you can tune in. There's a lot of good programs on WHCF. 88.5 out of Bangor, if you can reach, get that where you live. Uh, really good teaching to listen to. So, Fran um, says, save the child, give compassion, uh, like Jesus forgives. Of course, remember, uh, this guy is not just a child any longer. He is, what is he? He's a man. He's a young man. He's a youthful man. And, you know, someone might say, I told you not to go there. I told you not to do that. But there you went. You didn't listen. You went and spent all that wealth. And uh, so suck it up, buttercup. I mean, that could be. He's not a child. He's a man. I mean, uh, in our in our uh, culture, you know, uh, 
boys aren't supposed to become men until like 30 for some reason. I don't know. Um, in their culture, boys became men when they became teenagers, had responsibilities. So we don't know if he was 15, 16, 18, 20. We don't know. We know he was a young man. And we know that in their culture, uh, with the bar mitzvah and all, boys became men much younger. Where They were forced to work, had to work. It's just it's what you do. They didn't have video games to play. They didn't have uh, uh, the Internet and Facebook to peruse and all that. They had to work. Um, but just to think about the responses here uh, of of the people. Now, let's let's go back over to the text, take a look at what it says. Notice the, the posture. I will go home, verse 18, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. Think about what this is saying. You look at the humility at which this uh, young man approaches the father or will approach the father to to humble himself, to, to say, Father, I was flat out wrong. I should not have done what I did. I was wrong. I was an heir. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be regarded as your son. Just make me a servant. That'll be enough. That's humility. That's one thing that I think in our culture we lack way too much is humility. I see a lack of humility sometimes in leaders. Uh, I see a lack of humility sometimes in parents. Uh, I see a lack of humility sometimes in governmental leaders, in Christian leaders. Uh, we, We think that we're to be bombastic bosses, and I could come up with a few other Bs with that um, in in my uh, arsenal of words, but we'll stop there. And uh, bully might be another example. No, we need to be humble, and this young man is going to approach the father uh, in a humble state. So it says in verse 20, let's see what happens. This is the young man. We've kind of thought about his journey, uh, trying to keep an eye on our clock here. Okay. Uh, says, so he returned home to his father while he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. Now, now, what does this indicate? The fact that he was a long way off and the father saw him coming. The father kept looking. The father had his eyes out for him. The, the, the father kept his eyes on the horizon. The, the, the father kept his eyes looking up the road, always wondering, where's my son? How's my son? Anybody that's a parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. So the father says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You know, he didn't walk up. He didn't just look him in the eye. and He didn't just, you know, shake his hand. He didn't just say, well, tell me, what's up, boy? He didn't say that. It says, filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And the the son follows through and does exactly what he said. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And not only was the squandering of the wealth, but perhaps all the wickedness, all those ways in which the son may have sinned against the father as well. 
Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, quick. He didn't say, now let's have a meeting about this. He didn't say, well, let's sit down and have a conversation about this. He didn't say, now what did you learn? I mean, the text doesn't indicate any of those things. No, it says, it says the father said to his servants, I mean, the implication is there's their, their speed. But the father said to the servants, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, one of my rings, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. I mean, they they would they would have calves that they would hold on to, fattening that calf for special occasions. And and maybe the the older brothers thinking, well, he's fattening the calf up because I'm going to get married, and we don't know that. I'm conjecturing, and that calf will be for my for my party, for my wedding party, for my wedding feast. I don't know. Again, text doesn't say. All we know is that they've been fattening the calf. The father says, bring that calf. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And you go up to the preceding parables in this passage, in this chapter, we see the angels of heaven rejoicing over uh, when one sinner repents. And so this is another picture of this. He was lost, but now he's found. Let So the party began, it says. I'm still in the New Living Translation. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? servant said, your brother's back. Your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours com- comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing that fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed beside me, and everything I have is yours. We had we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, has come back to life. He is lost he was lost, but now he is found. What would be your posture? What would be your take? What would be your approach in in this circumstance? What would you be thinking about? Who would you be? Yeah, and Walter says this, whatever the circumstances or bad decisions, he remains his father's son and his father acts accordingly. You know, friends, when you and I sin against our father, he remains our father. Now, some have some theological confusion that would cause them to say, when I sin, I'm no longer a son of my father. That's not true. What makes you a son in the first place is faith. What makes you a son or a daughter of God in the first place is receiving and believing on Jesus. John 1.12 tells us that. So whatever the circumstances or bad decisions, he remains his father's son and his father acts accordingly. Uh Brand says this, he suffered, learned his lesson. I, I just this morning sent a note to a young man who needs love, compassion, support. He needs prayers. 
stumble judge and cheers downslide, but true love prays for strength. Praises his strength to get back up, encourages him. Thank you for praying for this young man. Lord, we do pray for this young man that Fran's referencing. We don't know who he is. You know who he is, and that's what matters. And, Lord, it's our prayer that that you would surround him with Christians, especially who are compassionate, Christians who will point him to Christ, Christians that will point him to the love of God, Christians who will give compassion, give encouragement, give aid. Lord, that's our prayer for this young man. We look to you, Lord, on this young man's behalf in the name of Jesus. We come to you in the name of Jesus about this young man. Thinking about this, I mean, think about our responses. Think about our responses to our own kids. Think about our responses to people who who fail and who fall down. Uh, think about people who... Uh, who go off the tracks in some way. And, uh, you know, often we want to castigate when sometimes what we need to do is lend a hand up. Much to say about this. And, and of course, the imagery here is we are like that prodigal. The father is like our heavenly father. Uh, and unfortunately, the the other brother is often like religious folk who look down on people who've... Uh, either fallen down in their luck or fallen down in their sin. not just going to say bad luck, but I will say sin. And uh, so this morning we, uh, we think about what would be our response. I think Jesus gives an indication of how he'd want us to respond. He'd want us to be like the Father. He'd want us to be part. He'd want us to be like those other servants, uh, feasting and festing that this other brother has come home. Well, you and I have a wonderful father, don't we? He's a good, good father, always compassionate, always merciful, always gracious, always kind. Yes, sometimes he patiently waits and doesn't step to intervene, and we have things to learn, but he does love us, does he not? May we reflect his love to those around us. Lord, we look to you. Help us to align our hearts with your heart. Help us to reflect the love of God to those around us, maybe within our own families. And Lord, if there's somebody here listening today that needs to experience your grace, your mercy, your compassion, Lord, we pray that they'd look to Jesus and that they would have a rich encounter with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I'm going to let you get into your day. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.